What a joy it is to gather together on this first Lord's Day of 2020. Today, your scripture is found in Philippians in chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verse 1, Philippians 4 and verse 1. Now, to give you just a, a little bit of context and background leading up to this verse, uh, what we know is chapter 3, Paul has told them in chapter 3, 2 to look out for the dogs, the evildoers those who mutilate the flesh, those who have pride in their flesh. And then he begins to go upon a testimony, if you will. And we see many beautiful things in that that I will not read at this time. It speaks about how uh, he has not yet reached perfection, that he is pressing on towards the goal and then he goes into the latter parts of chapter 3 again and, and warns us, uh, warns the church then, warns the church today, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. And so he says, beware the dogs, beware of the evildoers. They're those walking as enemies of the cross. And they've even crept into the church, as Paul lets us know in other writings. And he says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. And then a beautiful promise we find in verse 20 and 21. And then we come to what we see in chapter 4 in verse 1, which is really, to me, just a continuation of chapter 3. And so with that being said, if you are physically able, I'll ask that you stand with me in honor and reverence the reading of God's Word today. After he has said these things that I've spoken of, he says, Therefore, my brothers, because of all that I've shared with you, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. May God bless the reading of His Word today. You may be seated. Beloved, the battle is raging. The enemy approaching and is heavily engaged with us. There's much at stake in this spiritual warfare. There are lives at stake, souls at stake, eternity, generations lost, churches, nations, Yes, victory has been promised in the end to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His redeeming work, but we, the church, each Christian, must, as Paul admonished them, stand firm. Let's pray. Father, if you will, we ask for your mercy over the next few minutes as we look into your words. We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would take your word and illuminate our souls, Heavenly Father. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, mouths to confess the truths that we will hear. And God, help us to stand firm. In Christ's name, amen. Why this message because too many that claim Christianity are giving in. 
too many that claim Christianity are compromising. They're caving in. They're ceasing to gather. And when I say to gather for fellowship, for worship, for corporate study, these things aren't important to many Christians like they were in a time gone by. Many that call themselves Christians and denominations are bending to meet the whims of the culture around them, giving in to temptation, softening long-established confessions of faith just to be more palatable and accepted by the world. All this is happening right before our eyes, speedily, at a disturbing rate among pastors, among churches, among denominations. And beloved, as the, as the apostle wrote, and as we speak today, we must stand firm. And we must pray and continue to strengthen our faith and understand because, listen, a weak foundation is not prepared for even a puny rival. And our rival is not puny. Our enemy is not weak. And so we must have a strong foundation. A weak faith, a weak religion not built on the rock of Jesus Christ will be unable to stand firm as needed when the storm clouds gather. Many are tucking their tails and running. And beloved, that animosity toward Christianity is growing here even in the Bible Belt here even in the United States of America, and most likely will continue. And beloved, we need to be intentional about the strength of our faith because the pressure to move, the pressure to surrender and give in by the enemy, I want to tell you, it's intimidating. Not only is it intimidating, but it's persuasive. Not only is it persuasive, it can be overwhelming. Not only overwhelming, but very threatening. And these are the reasons why many are caving in. And if we're not careful, it can happen to any of us. Any of us. And don't ever think, well, that'll never happen to me. Don't ever think that. Stay humble. Keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Because even the mightiest in our eyes have fallen. Remember and look to Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. And here the children of Israel have been led out of captivity, out of Egypt, under the guidance of Moses and the power of God. Pharaoh actually sent them out, kicked them out, because so much evil had come upon uh, Egypt. But then he changed his mind. He changed his heart and he began to pursue the children of Israel. And there they came to meet the Red Sea before them and Pharaoh's army behind them. And in Exodus 14, 13, the Bible says, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And God did work mightily that day when they stood firm and waited upon the Lord. 
They were under attack and oppression on one side and what seemed to be an impasse on the other side with the Red Sea before them. But Moses reminded them to look to God, to stand firm in who they were and what God had brought them from, telling them that God would deliver them that day. Beloved, if you set your eyes on the attacker, if you set your eyes on the obstacles and not the Savior and His Word, we are more likely to give in, we're more likely to compromise upon God's will for our lives. We see another example in Daniel chapter 11 and 32. And here Daniel prophesies of events that would happen hundreds of years after he wrote it. And many believe there's still a greater fulfillment of these things still to come. But in Daniel 11.32, he says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. This is ultimately a battle between God and Satan, but we're involved. God's children are also involved in this battle. It is our battle as well. And though evil seduces us with flattery, trying to rob us of God's promises and purposes for redemption, we must stand firm and not be drawn away from God's salvific plan and purpose for our life. And here we see an illustration of the enemy in Daniel. He will seduce you with flattery. Remember, beloved... Young people, remember this. Satan does not come most of the time as you have seen in movies where he is easily identified and where people are running from him. Satan comes as a strong angel of light, appearing to be strong. He's cunning and he promises peace and he promises happiness. But as Dr. R.G. Lee said many years ago, and my father has said it many times, Satan always pays off with counterfeit bills. We must stand firm against the seduction of our souls. And we're seeing that in America today, the seduction with flattery of the soul. Three things we must stand firm in if we are going to stand firm. The first we find in 2 Corinthians 1 and 24. And the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your, what? Faith. You stand firm in your faith. The Corinth church was triumphant, but also troubled, and that is also every church. We are triumphant in Christ, but we also have troubles and we also have problems because we are still warring against the flesh. And Paul was explaining in his letter and explaining why he did not visit them at that time. And however, he was writing that they would receive wisdom, that they would receive understanding in their faith that would work for their joy, as he writes here, helping them to stand firm in their faith. Beloved, I want to say this today. If we are going to stand firm in our day, we must be intentional. We must be intentional to know what we believe and why we believe it. That will not happen by accident. And I'll say this, it will not happen just with a church service on Sunday morning. It happens with you being intentional every day. 
We've been trying to, uh, over the last couple of years, as we redid our covenant and we placed in, we hope, each member's hands. And if you don't have one or if you lost yours, that's fine. Come to us, we'll get you another one of our covenant and of our Baptist faith and message of what we believe. All new members are getting one of those. Read it. I want to be hard this morning. Please, if you want to grow in your faith, turn it off TBN, turn it off Daystar, and get that book out and read. And you'll learn more in that than you will on most of those preaching and teaching on TBN and Daystar. It's not enough in today's time to say, well, I'm a person of faith. Every, most, most people will say that. Even lost people will say, I, I'm a very spiritual person or I'm a person of faith. Beloved, the day has come where we need to know what we believe and why we believe it and be able to defend it with God's Word. And that does not happen by accident. That happens by opening up the bread of life each day before our eyes and praying. We must stand firm in our faith of what we believe. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 15, again Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and he says, See them, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by letter. And here again... If you look at the context of this scripture, Paul is warning of the man of lawlessness that is to come and his deception that leads to evil and destruction. And to combat his seduction, we must stand firm in our faith and hold fast, as Paul uses the term here, traditions that were passed down as they had been taught either by letter or under the sound of his voice. Traditions. These are not man-made traditions, by the way. They're not man-made traditions like the Pharisees had added to the law and had weighed down the people. Or it's not talking about in a tradition when we take up the offering at what point in the service. Those are man's traditions. And unfortunately, uh, growing up a Baptist boy... Uh, I have seen in my lifetime of 46 years more people fight over man-made traditions than the true traditions of the faith. Where are we going to set the piano? The old song says jokingly, but there was a lot of truth in that old song, wasn't it, Brother Charles? We fight over those traditions. It is easier for me to preach a, a bit watered-down gospel that most of Uh, people would accept than to move something in the service. Now you would say, that's not true. I'm telling you it's true. Here Paul warns us to hold fast to the traditions passed down. Decisions of faith by our Father, the words of the Lord, our worship, true worship in spirit and in truth. Hold fast to those traditions. Continue to gather in fellowship and in worship and in studying God's Word. The truths of God's church, these precepts given to us, must be held on to tightly and we must stand firm in them. That's why we had a Reformation hundreds of years ago. Because the true worship of the church had been lost. 
and superstitions had arose. And there were men saying that only they had the Word of God. And the Word of God was hidden to the common people. That's why we had a reformation. And it was just not a reformation of the Word. It was a reformation of true worship as well. We need a reformation in the church today. We truly do. We must hold fast to the traditions that have been passed down from our fathers. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12, we see another thing that we must hold fast to if we are to stand firm. One is in our faith. Two is in the traditions given to us, the precepts taught to us. But again, in 1 Peter 5, 12, Peter writes, By Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. This is the true grace of God. Peter was saying that what he was writing was the true grace of God. And he says, now stand firm in the grace that has been given. Beloved, the grace that saves is the same grace we must stand firm in each day. Amen? You cannot, nor can I, stand firm in our own strength. None of us can. But only by looking and trusting in Christ and His strength can we stand firm in this day that we live in. Humbly believing that great, the grace that saved us is the grace that will keep us, is the grace that will give us strength to stand firm. We need grace every day. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Again, in Ephesians 6.13, we're told, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. We must put on Christ, looking unto Him, clothing ourselves with Christ's righteousness, with Christ's truth, with Christ's strength. Christ is not only our example in standing firm, as we see in Hebrews chapter 11 too. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes, our Savior stood firm in why He was sent unto the earth. And that was to go to the cross, bearing our sin, bearing our shame, shedding His blood for our forgiveness, paying the penalty for our sins, conquering death, so that we too who put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ will conquer death also. Yes, He did stand firm, even though He was tempted, even though Satan said, there's nothing wrong, if you're the Son of God, you, you should be able to eat, turn the rocks into bread. You, you've got the right, eat. He tempted him again. You want to really show these people and you really want to be worshipped. 
Jump off the top of this temple and let your angels catch you before your feet hit the ground. And the people will see your power and glory and they'll come and worship you. But he stood firm. Again, Satan took him to the top of the mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, you bow before me and I'll give them to you. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to be glorified? But Jesus stood firm. He stood firm and kept His glory and power veiled and went to the cross for you and for me, giving His life, being laid in a borrowed tomb and being raised by the power of God on the third day, showing Himself to many over 40 days, ascending into heaven and promising us He would return. But He is not only our example, He is also our strength because He is the Savior. Jesus Christ will hold us fast. In His strength, though, we must not waver and we must stand firm. Daily we must clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. Beloved, it's a new year. It's a new decade. And no doubt we will see God move and work in some wonderful ways, not only in our lives, but also around the world as He is doing. But we're also going to have adversaries. And we're going to have troubles. There's going to be red seas before us. There's going to be seductions from Satan that will look beautiful to bring us peace and happiness. There's going to be pressure from the culture and world around us to compromise, to cave in, and to move with the culture. But beloved, we must stand firm in our faith, in the traditions passed down, given to us by God's Word. And we must stand firm in God's amazing grace. We must. We must daily look unto Jesus allowing Him to cover us and keep us in battle. And beloved, the ruling King of eternity and glory, He will hold us fast, and He will reward us with Himself throughout eternity. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. Today is a day of decision for us all. You might have thought that you just came to church to hear some good music, and we have. To see a wonderful baptism, and we have. Maybe to hear a message, and we have. But make no mistake about it. You have heard the gospel from the beginning of this service to the end. And once we hear the gospel, once we read the word... We're never the same, really. We either ignore it or we receive it and are built up in our faith. As we begin a new year, a new decade, the first Sunday of 2020, there's a decision that each one of us have to make from the pulpit to the pew to stand firm in Jesus Christ, to stand firm in our faith to not be seduced, to not be overwhelmed, to not be threatened, to not be scared by our enemy, Satan himself. 
or even the pressures of the culture. We have to make that decision today. And you say, I don't have to make that decision, but by not making the decision, you are making a decision. You can't get away from that. Will we stand firm? As a church, will you stand firm? As one that has been saved, that decision must be confessed today, if you are to. In just a moment, we're going to offer a hymn of invitation. It is a time not only just for us to sing a song, but it's also a time for us to worship in song. To give ourselves to Jesus Christ where we are in the pew or at the altar. Maybe today there are some here that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You've never made that public. And by the way, Jesus Christ, nor do I, did not teach or believe in a private faith. There is no such thing. And so maybe today you need to come to the altar and say, I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. I'm receiving the grace that He's given unto me at the cross and the empty tomb. I'm confessing Him as my Lord and Savior. He is my trust. I cannot save myself. I'm asking Him to forgive me and save me and cleanse me and make me whole and prepare me for heaven. As we sing, I'm going to encourage those of you that that might be the situation for you to step out. You'll bother no one. People will rejoice with you. If you need someone to come with you, grab a hand. They'll walk with you. Come to this altar and give your life to Jesus Christ. But to every Christian here today, we also have to make that decision today, depending upon the Lord, and say, Lord, with your strength and your strength alone, I give my life to you in this new year. Help me to stand firm in the faith and not be moved. Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. And you need to say that today. Maybe you have been moved and you have allowed cultural whims and Satan to seduce your soul and to pull you away from God's will for your life. This is also a time for you to come back to the Lord. I'm so thankful. I remember the sermon well, or at least this point of the sermon, when I was 21 years old. And rededicated my life to the Lord. And I remember Harold Pike saying, God allows U-turns. God allows U-turns. I made a U-turn that night. You can make one here today. Or maybe to come and pray for your family to stand firm. Pray with each other. Whatever it is today, we all have a decision to make. Will we stand firm? Will we trust in Christ? Will we follow Christ? Will we give our life to Christ?